Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tekoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. Welcome to Tekoa Church. I'm excited for this week as we start a brand new message series today. Um, And I think for many of us, this is a perfect um, next step out of Easter. Um, As we look at our faith, as we look at some of the things um, that Jesus taught and did, and we're going to look back for the inspiration for this series. If any of you remember those bracelets that were popular a long time ago that said WWJD, um, I have to admit I had one of those. It was not attractive then, it's not attractive now, but I had one of those. Um, And the idea from that came from the end of, right before 1900. There was a little church in a little town called Topeka, not Tekoa, but Topeka. And in that little town, there was a pastor that wrote this book that just gained huge popularity. And the book had this idea of, in different life situations, people asking themselves the question of, what would Jesus do if he was in the same situation as I'm in or if he was here with me? And then at the end of the 1900s, this, other, this movement was born to go back to that that gained popularity of asking that same question again. What would he do if he was in the same context as us? We're going to look at it, but we're going to flip it a little bit. We're going to look at what would Jesus undo? What are the things that as he taught, as he looked at the church, as he looked at followers of God in his time, what are the things that he would undo that bothered him, that broke his heart, gave him a sense of dissatisfaction? What is it that Jesus saw that he could not stand that he would undo for those that were trying to follow God? And we're going to look at some of those things that how can we change our response today. And to introduce our topic today, I want you to think about giving a gift. I don't know if any of you have ever given a gift to somebody that you really were excited about that gift. And I remember, you know, a while ago there was a gift that I was really excited for somebody. And I was young and I didn't have a lot of money. But I bought this gift and um, I thought it was really heartfelt and thoughtfelt. And I gave it away, and then I got this, oh, thank you, but it's not really my thing. Like, you can take it back if you want. And I was so excited, right? And I'm like, just pretend you like it and, like, put it away. Like, I don't see you that often. Like, you don't have to, like, I don't have to know that you didn't really like it. Like, I put a lot into this. I think you can tell that it was a heartfelt gift. Like, just just accept it and put it away. But after Easter this week, I want to even pose this question to start. What do you think sometimes Jesus feels like when he left heaven? He came to earth. He sacrificed, lived his whole life, was tortured, shed his blood for us, died on the cross, took our sins, went to the grave, and then was raised to new life and sits at the right hand of God right now, charged us with a spiritual mission And some of us go day in and day out, or maybe most of us, because I fall into this category sometimes, and we don't even barely think of him. We barely acknowledge the gift that he gave us. What would Jesus undo? To start out this series, I think 
he would undo spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference. Here's what God is saying. He's saying, give me more, trust me more, and then I'll give you more. I'll trust you with more. You can't outgive God. You can't outtrust him. You can't outdo your faith in him. He will give you a life filled with purpose and mission and just life as you trust and follow him. If you give him more, he will give you more. more. And as we lead into this, and as I go through my message today, I can even feel a little bit of the weight in this room. And I'm going to, I know it's the week after Easter, and I know like spring is coming, and I know even the last, like for many of us, I felt that this week, it was a hard week for me. And some of us, we've had a hard week or a hard year, or I don't know where you're at. And I'm going to challenge you with this message, and I want you to sit with that for a minute, but I also want to give you hope. If you came in here today and you're like, man, I really needed some good news, not like uh, one of those messages where the preacher just like kind of gave it to me, Um, I want to give you hope because at the end of this, I'm going to give you something really practical, really easy that you can do each day to better live out your faith. Because I know that's what I need at the end of this, is how do I just take a simple step each day that I can live out and live not with indifference, but live a life of purpose and on mission for Jesus. Because there's a lot of things on my to-do list. There's a lot of things going on in my life, and I need to just follow him faithfully, and I want to give you guys a tool and a way to do that as well. But I'm going to start out by this question of, you know, do you truly follow him? And I ask myself this question every few, a few times a year. Too many times, and I just sit in it, and it's not healthy. But a couple times a year, I truly and seriously ask myself, if I was truly following Jesus, if I truly believed his words, would my life look different? And I think it's a good question to ask. And if your life would look different, how would you change? And then you need to change those things. You need to live that way. And it's a good challenge, right? Like if I believed him 100%, I had no reservations, no doubts, what would I do differently? Would my family look different? Would my life look different? Would how I interact with my coworkers at my job or at school or whatever it is, would it look different if I really truly believed him and had no reservations? And if it would, then we need to do those things. But so many of us, you know, we live in this generation, this time that, you know, I heard somebody call it the meh generation. Just like, how are you doing? Eh, it's okay. You know, do you have purpose in your life? Eh, you know, it's going. You know, are you excited about life? Nah, it's okay. And we're going to look at, to start this series, the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. And Jesus wrote seven letters to seven different churches. And one of these churches in particular that we're going to look at today was the church in Laodicea. And this church was basically that church that, meh, like, right, life, life is going. It's okay. And that church had been destroyed by an earthquake about 35 years prior to this letter. And they rebuilt, but they rebuilt well, right? Like either people leave or they rebuilt better. They rebuilt better. They rebuilt strong. There was stadiums, theaters, shopping centers. Like they built strong. But the problem with this city, which is something I think we can identify with here, is they had no water source. So they piped in their water from one of two cities Um, What do my notes say? One was in Colossae, and that was the one that was known for its cold water. That's easy to remember, right? You don't need to know that, but Colossae had cold water. They built this long, big aqueduct to bring the cold water from Colossae, and this other city called Hierapolis had hot water. They had hot springs, like a nice, you know, 
um, you can get a go in the sauna, hot tub, that's what it's called, hot springs. Like, they had that good hot water, medical benefits, all that kind of stuff. They would pipe in that water from that city as well in this long, big aqueduct. Problem being, you have two long waterways to get to your city. By the time the water comes, it is no longer hot, it is no longer cold, it is no longer clean. It is dirty, it is tepid, it is room temperature, it is lukewarm. And this is the setting where Jesus said, I see you and you are just like your water supply. The, the words of Jesus to this city, he said, I know all the things you do, Laodicea, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. I know how you're living. In other words, I know what you did this week. I know what your week looked like. I look at your life this week and maybe you ask yourself this question. Were you full of spiritual passion and energy this week for the king, things of the kingdom of God? Or were you more spiritually indifferent? And Jesus says to them, but since you were lukewarm, you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of your mouth, my mouth. I know your deeds. That you were neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other, but both serve a purpose, right? Hot and cold water both serve a purpose, but you are neither. And because you were lukewarm, like the water that gets to you in your city, what am I saying? You're spiritually stale, and I just want to spit you out of my mouth. You are depressingly detached. And after what I did for you, what I've called you to do, what I've empowered you with, what I want to do is just spit you out. He literally says, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. And Jesus is saying, your spiritual indifference, it doesn't just hurt my heart. It literally makes me sick. The good news, right, there's good news. He gives the church a way out of this. I'm going to give you a way out. But how are you doing? He says, this church is just like, eh, meh, we're all right, right? And Jesus would undo spiritual indifference. I'm going to start with two things um, that I want to focus on of the causes of spiritual indifference before we get into where to go from there. The first thing is the illusion of self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency, right? Jesus says, you say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He said, you say, I'm rich. In other words, you think, I've got everything that I need. I've acquired wealth. Our city is well off. Like, I'm doing okay. I don't need a thing. And Jesus says, you don't realize in reality you are wretched, pitiful, blind, naked. You don't realize that you're missing what matters most in life. And often when I'm talking to people, especially outside of the church, you know, I'm at the park, I'm at the restaurant, I'm on a plane, whatever it might be, and I talk to them, and what they say is like, I'm okay. Meh, I got, my, I got my nice new phone and my computer. I've got my car. I've got Netflix and DoorDash. Like, I got what I need, right? Like, it all comes to me even. I don't even have to go anywhere. But Jesus is saying, despite all that, you're spiritually void. Despite whatever you might have materially in this world, your life is void. It might be full of stuff, but it's empty of meaning. Or maybe you're in the opposite camp. Right? We live in San Jose. Maybe you're in the camp that says, it's so expensive here, I'll never have what I want. I can never afford that. I can't get a house, I can't afford rent, um, I can't afford to eat where I want to eat. 
And the crazy thing is you could make minimum wage, 300000 a year, and I talk to people and they feel like oh, we're just broke no matter which place on the spectrum you land in. It doesn't even matter. Why is it that we're so drawn to the things of this world that never satisfy? How are you doing? I've got what I need, right? Like, I got what I need. The illusion of self-sufficiency. And the second cause is distractions of this world. What causes spiritual indifference? Just being distracted. Jesus told a parable about a farmer throwing seed out, and one of the seeds, he said, was a seed that was starting to take root and grow. But Jesus said, the worries of this life, all the stuff that you need to take care of, deceitfulness and wealth, the desires, they come in, they choke out the word, making it unfruitful. And let's call it what it is, for some of us, this has been our story. I hear the word, I'm challenged, I'm moved, I'm prompted, but then suddenly life just happens. The kids get sick, the car breaks down, I have deadlines at work or school, um, life happens. And then life goes on more and more and more, and life just happens, and it chokes out the word. And it's not that we don't care, it's not that we don't love Jesus, it's not that we don't think he did something really important for us. It's not that we don't love God, it's just that life happens. I know I'm in this boat sometimes, like all of a sudden the week happened and I'm like, whoa, what did I, what did I do? Where did, where did my time with God go? Where did my living a life of faith and not a life of just life and stuff, where did it go? Jesus calls us to live by faith and live a life of purpose and meaning. So the two causes, there are more, but two causes, spiritual indifference of self-sufficiency and distractions of this world. And what happens, what do we see in our world today? And I know that this is what we wrestle with. I shared a little bit this before, but I've wrestled with this as I've seen in the world the extreme opposites. I've seen extreme need and I've seen extreme generosity. I remember in college a very specific time where I was with this group of people, uh, this group of Christians, and we were in a prayer meeting one morning. We're all praying and worshiping, and somebody stood up and she said, you know what, like, I really need a car to do with what I need to do in life right now, and I, so can you guys all pray for a car for me? And 20 minutes later in that meeting, one of the guys stood up, and he says, it's not great, it's old, it's my only one, but I have a car and I don't really need it right now. There's public transportation where I live, I can get by with that. He said, here's the keys, I'll get you the title to it as soon as I can. And I walked away from that and I thought, that's not my faith. Like that, that is maybe a little extreme. And it should make us a little uncomfortable, right? Like, is the pastor really calling me to have a faith like that? Maybe if that's what Jesus is calling. That's what he called for that person in that moment. And it's not always material things. It's so many other things of just how we act, what we say, what we do in life. But if we're not wrestling through what would Jesus call me to do as I followed him... We're just blown by with life, and we're going to go through life 20, 30, 40 years are going to go by, and we're going to get to the end of our life, and we're going to say, well, right? Like, eh, life happened. There's some good, some bad, life happened. 
But I bet you, I can tell you for certainty, that guy, that was a turning point in his faith, in his life. And I know the moments that I've stepped out in faith, the moments I've followed, the moments I've trusted God fully were turning points in my life, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. And I don't think, don't get me wrong, I don't think enjoying life is wrong. I actually think that's an important part of our worship of God and following Him. We need to enjoy the good things of this world because God made the world good. He made food taste good. He made beautiful sunrises, sunsets, nature. He made good things for us to enjoy. So don't get me wrong, enjoy the good things in life. But if we're truly taking Jesus seriously, if I was truly living by faith, ask yourself this question, would my life look any different? Would I change anything? And if the answer is yes, then just make those changes. So what would Jesus do? Undo. Lukewarm indifference. Didn't just break his heart. He wanted to spit out that church. So let's look at six indicators that I've seen of my life of lukewarm indifference and in the lives of others. Um, And then I'm going to get to the good news of what do we do with this. So the first thing, and if you're taking notes, feel free to write these down if you want. We're going to throw them up there for you as well. The first thing is we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. We're more concerned with what everybody else thinks. Am I popular? Do I blend in? Do you like my hair, my shoes, what I'm wearing? Like how I'm behaving in this meeting or as we go hang out? Do you care about that? Or am I cool? What do I post online? Is it cool enough? Like, what is everybody else posting? You're like, am I in that club or not in that club? Am I an influencer or at least, at least like, trending that direction? And God says, even Timothy said this, in the end times there would be people that are lovers of themselves. He said, woe to you, woe to you when all people speak well of you. Man, anybody in that boat? Like, if everybody speaks well of you, you're not in the right place. Because if everybody speaks well of you, you're not truly living for Jesus. Some people are going to speak up against you. That's part of life. Hey, selfie social media generation, we're so concerned with what people think. We need to be concerned with what God thinks about us. Number two, we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity in heaven. It's all about what we can get now. Things, things, things. And the problem is, Scripture says, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Appreciate the world, appreciate the good gifts of God, worship Him through that, but we can't love those things. We need to love God. Number three, we rationalize sin, and we live without truly fearing God. We rationalize sin. In our culture, we rename it sometimes even. We say, well, it wasn't an affair, it was... Or it wasn't adultery, it was a fair. It's not pornography, it's adult entertainment. We give it a, a different name. It's not greed, it's just like American dream, right? Living out capitalism. It's this thing, it's this thing. We rationalize what we do in our life. Like, I'm not over there, so it's okay, I'm here. We rationalize the sin instead of truly fearing God. Number four, we believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. We believe in him... But if we already have him ourselves, like, we're okay. And I know I'm guilty of this sometimes, despite standing up here, despite starting a church. Like, well, they can make their own decision, right? Like, I'm okay over here. And I'm proud of our church and proud of some of you that have been inviting other people here. And, you know, people came to Easter because of some of those invites. But 
if we truly believe in him and if we're not indifferent, we care about their eternity, we care about their lives, not just even in heaven, but their life here and what God can do is he gives them life here. Number five, we only turn to God when we need him. Rather than seeking him daily, we seek him when he benefits us. Right? Like this is the Hollywood description of a Christian. Like, I got in an accident, I have, I have a surgery that's coming up, something's happening, and I'm like, okay, God, help me, help me, help me now, I need you. Cool, thank you for helping me, like, moving on with my life. Right, we only turn to him when we need him, rather than all the time. And number six, ultimately we end up recognizing that we're not that much different than the world. We're not that much different than the world. What do we do? We watch the same things and entertainment that everybody else does. We spend our money in the same way. We listen to the same music. We raise our kids the same way. We behave the same in social settings. We're the same as the world, and we're not that much different. Yes, we should engage with the world and not be just weird Christians, but we should be a little bit different because I know, know about you, but my life is not the same since I've met Jesus. He calls me to live differently, and so we should be a little bit different than the world. Let me share with you, like, this is always a challenge. I mean, I was sitting up there in worship knowing the message I was going to preach, and I was just like, you know, I've, I've still been struggling with this all week, and I'm preaching on this. Like, I'm not perfect up here. It's okay that you're not perfect, but we should be moving towards where God is leading us. Even two weeks ago, man, I was distracted. Like, I recognized it. We were actually about to have a, um, a small, like, worship gathering for some of our team. I was going to that worship gathering, and I'm just like, I cannot, I'm so distracted right now. See, our family has been a one-car family for the six years we've been in San Jose. We have a Toyota Prius that has almost 200,000 miles on it. And we loved that car well. And you all know what that means, right? Like when we loved it well, like that car is like not in the best of shape anymore because we've used it well. We have done everything from like cramming it full for like road trips so that there was like barely space for some extra jelly beans in there. That thing was crammed full and then we had to do it again on the way home and I didn't know how to get it back. We have, I, when we moved to San Jose, um, not when we moved here but a little bit afterwards, we had to do a project in our backyard and I rented like this portable cement mixer and I like fit that portable cement mixer in the back of the Prius. And I really, I was looking for pictures this week and I couldn't find them to show you guys. I was proud of that moment. Like we are getting all we can out of this car. But our family, you know, we're a family of four now. That car is not as reliable as it once was. It was time to upgrade a car about a year ago. And then, you know, the situation, it's, it's never fun to buy a car. And now is like a worse time than normal to buy a car. Like somehow used cars are more expensive than new cars. Like if it's a, like not a, a Toyota Prius with 200,000 miles. And I'm like, this makes no sense. How could the old car be more expensive than the new car? And we're in this boat and I'm, our family is trying to figure out like, okay, it, it's time. Like we tried to wait a year and then we thought it would get better. And they said, you know what? It's just going to get worse. It's not going to get any better for at least another year. And this was on my mind of like, oh, what, what do we get? Like, this is a lot of money, but like, I'm kind of excited for like getting another vehicle so we don't have just this car that is not as reliable anymore. And I was like, it is Easter. There are so many people in our city. It's COVID still. Like, there are so many people hurting in our city. 
and there's so much that God wants to do in the kingdom, but I'm distracted by life, right? Like, it wasn't that I didn't care about what God wanted to do, but like, this was a real thing I was dealing with in my family. Like, this is life. Life happens, and it just kind of sometimes chokes out our passion. And for some of us, we're going to wake up one day and realize after who Jesus is, what he has done for us, we've been living a life of spiritual indifference. We're not cold. We're not hot. We're just kind of, meh, life goes on. Like, I follow him, yeah. Those of you that maybe aren't here right now because there were street closures today and we have online church and you're like, oh, just it'll be fine, right? You know, maybe some of you are like feeling even like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, I made it. Like, I knew the streets were going to be a little more challenging and I still, like, I said I'm not going to stay home. I'm going to go. Like, I feel good about what I did for this week. But this is life. Jesus, when we don't truly follow him with all of ourselves, with faith-filled life, he sometimes just is, wants to say to us, like, I don't, like, I just want to spit you out of my mouth. You're just kind of lukewarm, like, meh, it's okay. We don't mean to, but life just kind of chokes out the passion of following him. And I'm going to invite the band, they can start making their way back up here. You know, that's how I force myself to end my message, you know. Like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get to the end. But let me tell you what I would normally tell you, and then I'm going to tell you, like I said, there is good news. What I'd normally tell you, and this is good advice, is normally I would tell you that, like, there's a list of things you can do to help the spiritual passion in your life and following God, and these are good things, right? I would say, like, spend more time reading the Bible. I could say spend more time praying, not just praying to God, but listening to Him. Spend more time in fellowship with other Christians. I would say live out your life, share your faith with those that are lost, serve our community, turn from your sin and confess it to God and live differently. Pursue Jesus with passion and righteousness. And those are good things. They're things that should be happening in your life. But the problem is if I, I give you all of these things and you try to do all these things, there's just like more crushing weight of like everything like, the to-do list is already too long, and that's why my passion is getting choked out as I follow God. And one thing you can do, here's the good news, the one thing you can do to reignite that fire, that passion, that excitement in your life is do something every day that requires faith. One thing every day. And just boil it down to that. Do something every day that requires faith. Let the Spirit of God lead you to do something that you can't do on your own, something that requires faith. And this is what I have learned over the course of life. And what I've learned is my spiritual journey, it matters much more the trajectory that I'm on than where I'm at in that journey. See, if every day I'm living a little bit more by faith, day by day, week by week, month by month, I'm doing that, I'm living a more faith-filled life. If I get too overambitious and I just want to go from here up to here and just change everything in my life, it's just overwhelming. I'm not going to get anywhere. But if day by day I'm going in the right direction, I'm following God more and more, that's what God asks of us, right? Just, just follow Him more and more. Trust Him a little bit more and more, and it will change who we are. And you start thinking about the little things of like, okay, here's my one faith-filled thing today. This is the the sin that I would normally do that I was about to do and I'm not going to 
share that story with my friends and gossip. I'm not going to look at that thing that I would have looked at. I'm not going to do this thing. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage somebody today and live out my faith that way. And then it was just one small step. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's outward. And this is the reality. You know, I started a church in the middle of a pandemic. Not just me. There was a whole team of people around me. But it took a huge step of faith to say, hey, we're going to move forward with this in the most difficult place in the country, in the middle of downtown, in the middle of a pandemic. Three years ago, ten years ago, I would have thought it was a crazy idea. I would have thought, man, that, that's never going to happen. That's not going to work. And you probably aren't called to start a church. I don't know what you're called to do. But what you might do in three years or ten years will blow your mind if God would share that with you right now. And what it takes is a faith-filled step day by day, and pretty soon you're going to be a week, a month, three years down the road, ten years down the road, and you're going to say, how did I do that thing? It seems so easy. Myself before would have thought it was crazy. It was a step of faith week by week. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's giving a gift to somebody that really needs some encouragement. Maybe it's speaking words of life into somebody. Maybe you apologize to somebody that, where you messed up. Maybe it's sin in your life that God wants to change. I don't know what God is calling you to do, and day by day it's going to look different. But if you just start to have that mindset, I'm going to live by faith each day. I'm going to try to do one thing that is just a little bit challenging. There's a little bit of faith that it takes, and I will live that out. You expose yourself, your heart, to something that, that God is challenging you to live a little bit differently. But he says, just be obedient. Trust me. Right? If the more you trust God, the more you have faith in Him, the more He's going to give to you and as you live out your life for Him. Christ brings us life. Without faith it is impossible. Without works to back up our faith, our faith is dead, James said. And Christ is life for us. And when we're living by faith, what tends to happen? Instead of being consumed by what people think of us, all of a sudden we're consumed by what God thinks of us. We're not living a life of spiritual indifference. We're living a life of faith. And when we have things in our life, suddenly we're turning to Him because we, not just because we need Him, but because we love Him and we want to follow Him more and more and more. We are different. And believe me when I tell you that your life will be different if you trust Him by faith. What would Jesus undo? He would undo spiritual indifference. If you were hot or cold, I wish you were the other, but because you don't really care about what I want to do for you. doesn't just break his heart. Jesus says, I want to spit you out of my mouth. But good news, good news for us today. He says, just live by faith. And Jesus says, I will open the door for you if you turn to me. So would you pray with me? And I want to pray for you, that you would live a life more filled with faith. God, I pray that you would just stir up a passion in us, an excitement, a love for you, that we wouldn't be overwhelmed with where we're at because it's not where we want to be, because we feel like we're so far from you, God, but that we would just be ignited with a passion to follow you more deeply. It would be ignited to go out into this world as we started this church as a place for people to find their purpose and help them live it out, God, that, that we would go to our week. Lord, to our work, to our school, to our home, to our family, to our friends, to all that we do, God, that we would follow you more fully, 
that you would give us a purpose in that, that we could live not just for ourselves, but God, that we could enjoy life and that we could bless others and that we could make a difference in this world and live a life that is filled with what you care about in this world, not just what we, what we care about, that we would make a difference. God, I pray that this church, as we did even last weekend, we started to change the minds of some people as we did an event for the community in the park, and we changed the minds of people of what a church could do, of what a park could be, that it could be a place of life and fun and enjoyment. God, fill us with more of you and your Holy Spirit that we could change our world and not just be changed by our world. Lord, fill us with more of you. God, that we would live a life for you. And this is how Jesus closed the letter to the Laodiceans. He said, Behold, listen up, he said. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. I want into your life. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And then he says, If anyone, if anyone, doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how bad you've been, anyone who opens the door, he says, and I will come in. He says, Open the door and I will come in. And those are, there are those of you here right now, God brought you here for this moment and this purpose into this place. Jesus is the Son of God, sinless and perfect in every way. He lived his life for us. He went to the cross for us. He died, and then God rose him to new, new life three days later on Easter Sunday. And we can have new life because of it. We can have a life of purpose and life because of this. He wants to forgive your sins, but he also wants to just release you into life, a life of purpose and goodness. Jesus is here. He came. He's knocking at the door, and he's saying, Who is letting him in? And if that's you and you want to let him in right now, just tell him that. It's not some crazy prayer that you need to pray. You just need to tell Jesus, I want to let you into my life. I want to follow you. I'm accepting you and what you have for me. God, I thank you for what you've done. Would you all stand with me? I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. A prayer that I'm going to follow God and I'm going to trust Him. So if you guys can repeat after me, this is something maybe a little bit new for our church, but just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I trust you to save me. Forgive me. Make me new. Jesus, be first in my life. Fill me with your Spirit so I can follow you Speak out, church. Give him your life, he says, and, I, and tell him, I live for you. Give me your purpose that I could live and glorify you every single day. My life is not my own. Show me how to live by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Right now, we're going to continue worshiping together. You guys can stay standing. Don't wait. Take your faith step that God is going to call you to do today, even in this moment. For some of you, maybe that's singing out loud. For others of you, maybe it's raise your hands or get down on your knees. Maybe for some of you, this is our time of worship through giving as well. You can give online or at the boxes. Maybe you're going to give for the very first time and trust God with your finances. For some of you, maybe it's staying afterwards to meet somebody in the 10-minute hangout that Lauren's going to invite us to. But take your step of faith even right now and continue to do that this week. Let's worship together big and loud, church.
Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tekoa card on our Connect page, tekoachurch.org connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tekoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tekoachurch.org giving. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.